Well, hello, hello everybody, can you hear me? Hello, welcome so much. This is the real episode 19. So thank you so much for coming back, I appreciate that. This is episode 19 and it's talking about in the beginning, how my neglect led to lifelong habits. Um, and hello, my name is Nita Dewan, in case I forgot to say that I think I did. As normal, my little topic, we're going to say, we're going to do what? Dive right in and break through the shadows. So neglect, you may say to yourself, what is neglect? Okay, like what is it? Well, neglect is failing to care for properly. It's the state or fact of being uncared for. Okay, so that's what neglect is. All right. And uh, in case any of you were wondering, uh, neglect is a form of abuse, okay? So failing to provide and care for a child basic needs is neglect. And we're not speaking of parents' financial states, okay? And that's why they didn't do it. We're talking about like you have it. Uh, you have something to feed the child, you just don't feed them. You have a, a clean diaper to put them in, but you don't. Uh, or you're abusing them physically, emotionally, or uh, physically, emotionally, you know, you're, you're abusing them. Um, so we're going to get right into this. Um, because when I say neglect, as far as that is concerned about the financial state, um, I, re I can recall how the elders used to say, well, you want to make sure you've got yourself together before you bring children into the world. And that is so true. Okay. And, and that's like extremely true. You definitely do want to make sure as an adult that you have taken care of that. Um, you don't want to bring a child in the world and you're like, oh, well, I, you know, I can't. I can't provide for you and I can't really do this and that. And so you're going to have to suffer. You know, it's one thing if things happen unexpectedly, you know, we're not talking about that. But anyway, let's get back to my topic at hand for the moment. Okay. Now, from the moment I was born, my mom was detached. Okay. And this is about the neglect that I received from my mother. So, as I said, from the moment I'm born, uh, my mom was attached. And I later came to realize that my mom never really wanted children, okay? Um, because she was taking birth control, all that. She was taking the measures herself to make sure um, 
that she didn't have get pregnant. Okay, this was before I was born and definitely after. Like she really made sure, like, oh my goodness, I'm not having any more children. So she had reasons and she probably should have stayed that way because, <clears throat> excuse me, based on the things that I experienced. Um, but my parents were married the prior year to me being born. And once I left the hospital, headed home, things really changed for me. Uh, we lived in a small house on my father's mother's property. It was a decent sized house. Um, it's like a basically a one bedroom. Some may consider it like a bungalow. Um, so that's that's how the house was. It had that one, you know, it had a kitchen, all of that in there. Uh, front door, back door. So it, it was nice. Um, the neglect started with simple things like my mom not picking me up and holding me as a infant, you know, because she's laying down and relaxing. My father would be going to work during the day. My mom was out on maternity leave. Uh, since she had me. So for the most part, she would pick me up and deal with me while my father was home in the morning, right? You know, like, oh, I got the baby. But as soon as he would leave, like she just laid me down, tossed him to the side and she's laying down and chilling for the rest of the day till it's almost time for him to come home. Unless my grandmother would come over for a visit because she's the houses were in the same property, like lines within the fence. So all she had to do was literally come out of her door and literally walk next door. And she had a key to the house because it's her house, it's her property. So she would come in. And my mother didn't like this either, matter of fact, that I've mentioned it. She didn't really like for her having that key like that. But hey, it's her house. You guys are staying there. And I believe they were like staying rent free, you know. So, I mean, hey, um, I get it because just because you're staying somewhere rent free doesn't mean you don't have privacy, you, uh, you know, I, I get that. But at the same time, hmm, you know, it's it's kind of the same thing that adults later turn around and say, well, hey, you don't like it, there's the door. So it was the same, you know, it, it's, it's the same concept. But anyway, um, so my grandmother kept telling my parents, like, you got this guy to get her a crib or a bascinet or something. And she was, you know, thinking they're new parents. They're adults, yes, but they're new parents. I've raised several children. I'm, you know, let me help you. And she keeps telling them, like, I'll go get a crib for you or something. And it's like, oh, no, we can get it. We can get it on our own. We want to do this on our own. Da, 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 da. So time goes on and they don't get one. And my grandmother goes and actually just purchases a crib. Like, this is ridiculous. So she comes over, and the reason why she's getting a crib is because I had been sleeping in a dresser drawer. Yeah, I used to sleep in a dresser drawer. And I know what you're thinking. What? <laughs> a real dresser. Like, you're talking about the dresser drawer that I put my, like, undergarments in or my pajamas or my socks. Uh, yeah. So they had like this chest dresser drawer, you know, like, you know, the, the typical chest dresser, like five drawers, where they have like five or six, right? And so they take one of the drawers out. And this is something that I know because I heard about it all of my life. 
you know, I heard about me sleeping in the dresser drawer all of my life. So my parents was constantly telling me about the story and my mom was, would tell me, oh, I just lay the blanket in there and I lay you in that drawer. And I was like, what? I was laying in, like when I was first getting older and I would hear from time to time, like when I was younger, it was like, I can't, you know, when I was really young as a kid, it didn't kind of faze me. It was like, okay, that's why I slept it. As I started getting older, it was like, wait a minute. You're telling me I was sleeping in a dresser drawer, like the drawers I'm using for my own personal things now? That's crazy. I, I would never consider, I wouldn't even consider about putting my doll baby in one, let alone putting a real baby, a child. But hey, that's how it was. So my grandmother, this is why she's like, no, I'm getting a crib and, and passing that something. So she gets this little like cradle type crib thing. And it's very nice. Very, very nice. But, you know, they're like, oh, no, that's too much. We can do it on our own. We're going to get it. And she's like, okay, well, let me just leave it here for y'all to use until you get something. Oh, no, 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 we'll get it. We're fine. But they don't use it initially. Um, not at all. And then, you know, my mom was saying like, oh, the baby don't like it. And what all this, you know, that goes on. Um, so one day my grandma comes over, my grandma, and she's like, you know, let me go check on this girl. I haven't been over there. You know, they don't bring, the, she don't bring the daughter over, grandbaby over here to see, you know, like my mom was at first taking me over there a lot, but then that starts slacking up. And that's because my grandma would be asking questions and stuff, see. And it would, and it's not necessarily a neglect thing at that time, I don't think. I think it was mostly just an elder providing guidance. Um, so you're asking like, did you bathe her? Did you wash it? You know, the older people back then were like that. They get all in your business, but it, it really was for a lot of them. It was love because they figured you were new. This was something new to you. You were a new mother. You, you didn't really know what you were getting into kind of. So they wanted to chat with you to see if, if you were okay. And if you had things going figured out right now. You know how to clean a bottle and you know you're supposed to let it get to a certain temperature but not too hot. So all those little things like that. But she comes over, right? And this particular day I was in the drawer but it wasn't on the floor because they would take it out of the dresser and put me in the drawer but leave it on the floor. And as I talk about that, I also can see why I had many bronchitis bronchitis issues you know my mom's always talked about that too oh my gosh you was a baby you'd be so nasally you'd be congested all the time and and she was saying it was from my dad smoking it had to be had to be okay yes that probably was a factor but as i got older and started putting things together it was like wait a minute could it be i'm just saying you know, I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to medical school, but I'm just saying, I'm just using like little simple analogies in my head. I'm common sense. And I'm thinking, could it possibly be the fact that I slept in a drawer, a wooden dresser drawer on the floor? And the only thing that's really covering me is a thin receiving blanket inside the drawer and a thin blanket on top. Could that be? Sometimes I didn't have a thin blanket on top of me. But could that be I'm on the floor? There's, it's draft, the air is draft, 
heat, for those who don't know, heat rises, okay? If you didn't know that and you didn't have a clue, heat rises. So whether it's heat from the summer or the winter, heat rises in a room. So if it's the coolest part of any home at any time is going to be the floor, which is, I'm thinking, probably the last place you would want to lay a baby. Yes, if the baby blanket, like you have a bassinet blanket or something or a cradle and you have it on the floor, but I'm talking, and that's like padded, you got blankets. No, that's different, but I'm talking about a wooden drawer where air can get underneath it. Because, you know, if you know how a dresser drawer looks, if you sit it on the floor, the front wood part that holds the handle is actually keeping the box of the dresser off of the floor. So you've got part of it where air can get under, right? Right. And it's wooden. And it's on the floor. And even if the box was flat and straight, because some dresser drawers back then, they did do it where it would line up and it would be straight. Like you could sit it flat on the floor. But even if that was the case, it's still the point that it's on the floor. Okay? So I just, you know, I just wanted to talk about that part. You know, I, I, I used to say that to my mom. Like, could that be? Girl, no, that won't have. They had nothing to do with it. That floor was fine. You was born, you was born in the hot, they were doing hot times. Girl, no, that's fine. Mm -mm. It was hot in the summer. Hot, yeah, girl. You know, yeah, fall was right there, but no. It, fall was coming, but, you know, you used a couple of months. By that time, it was getting cool. But, you know, then that time when it get too cold nights, it was too cold. I would set the drawer on top of the dresser. Oh, thanks. That... Now I'm in this drawer on top of the dresser. Like, pray to God the dresser don't tip over. Mm. But you know, hey, things were, this was way back in the day. And also, this is stuff that, that you do when you're young. And now she wasn't that young, but when you're young and you're a new parent, a lot of times you'll do stuff that you feel. That you can, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's some parents out there that are listening to this, are going to listen to it one day, and they're going to be like, yeah, now they maybe go that far. But yeah, there are a few things that I did as a parent I ain't too proud of. I know for a fact for me, raising my first son, oh my gosh, I, I get that little boy. I had bad eating habits, okay, that I attained in my life, which I'm talking to you about now because of my neglect and things. But I didn't neglect my son, but I gave him bad eating habits. And to this day, he still has them. To this day. And that's crazy when I see that. So I'm telling you, things that are putting that's a perfect example of how things are introduced to you as a child. And if it's, if it's heavy, you know, it's one thing if something's introduced to you as a child, but it was occasionally. But when you have something that was heavy and it was heavy in your life as a child, and it carries over. And I gave my son candy. Oh my gosh, I gave him candy. I would give him um, pizza. 
pizza, candy, and chips. You know what I'm saying? Because that was my, uh, excuse me, that was my thing of eating. That was how my food intake was when I was young. I was a kid. I was a kid when I had my first son. You know? So it's like, I'm sitting there eating pizza, you know, and he's walking around, you know, now he's like one or two. He, he wants some of the pizza. Yeah, you can have some pizza. You want some of my chips? Yeah, you can have some of my chip. You know, we go to a little store like 7-Eleven or something or a gas station or we're in the grocery store and he asked for chips. Oh, sure. He asked candy was his thing. He could sniff out some candy. He could sniff it out. And I'm a candy person. Excuse me while I'm talking to you. Did you just hear the smack? Just because I got a piece of piece of candy. I'm not making this up, guys. Okay? I'm not making this stuff up. So, anyway, let's get back to this dresser. You know, so my grandmother comes over and she's like, well, where's the baby? Like, she's looking around on the floor. She's looking in all the normal places where the drawers would be. Like, in the living room, by the look, you know, on the, on the couch or in the kitchen. And, and she's like, well, where's the baby at? I mean, I'm like, oh, she in the drawer. She in the drawer. Yeah, but I'm. And my grandma head's in the room, and she's like, she in the drawer, and cause she's looking now at a dresser that has all the drawers in place. So she's like, well, if she in the drawer, how are these drawers? She says she was thinking to herself, how are the drawers closed? And one by one, she starts opening them, like, oh my God, where's this baby? Finally gets to the drawer that I'm in. Takes me out. I'm shallow breathing. She's panicked. And she removes me and realizes right then and there that I was being neglected. And decided that she would come and check on me more often. And um, so she took me home that day. Kept a close eye on me. She would bathe me, clothe me, feed me. And at first, my mom didn't have a problem with this. Like, as my grandma started coming to get me regular. Because it was like, good, I get a break. That's your grandbaby. You want to take over there to your house? Keep all day. Be my guest. Go right on ahead. Here she go. Oh, you ain't asking for no. Oh, where my dirty clothes? You going to take them and wash them? Oh, here you go. My mom would do that. Oh, you want to? Oh, okay. You dropping off a pan of soup that you didn't make? Okay, good. Oh, that's some uh, turkey. You didn't carve some turkey we got for lunch meat. Thank you. Here go the baby back. All of that. She was like, fine. But then it started to place when my grandma was telling her more and more advice. And she's like, oh, you know, as a mother, you do this. And as a mother, you working. So I can imagine. I know how that is. I worked. I used to clean and do. But what you do is you prepare your meals. You do this. Okay. I, my mom's like, okay, I hear you. I got it. Well, you know, as a new wife, as a wife, you need to. And it was like, wait a minute. This lady tells me a little too much. So my mom gets in, a, in her feelings. You know, this lady trying to control my life. I'm not having it. I'm grown. I'm a teacher, for Christ's sake. I ain't had nobody mama telling me what to do. That's why I'm, I'm not living at home with my parents. Because... I don't want nobody telling me what to do. Now, that attitude right there, you can fast forward to me later when I'm, what, 
14, 15 to 16 years old. That was nothing. Um, I ain't at home because I don't want nobody telling me what to do. I'm grown. Now, the only thing was I wasn't. I was 15 years old, 14, starting to 15 to 16, you know, but definitely about 15. Oh, you can tell me nothing. You can tell me. So, well, um, you know, so the tables turned. And my mom was like, no, nah, uh-uh. We need to get our own place. She talks to my father. She's like, look. And my dad at first is like, well, you know, we can get a house. You know, you got a pretty decent job. I got a decent job. We can go look for a house. And he's saying in the area that my mom, grandmother, his mother, he's like, you know, I where my mama lives. There's plenty of houses for sale. My mom's like, oh, no, I'm not having that. I'm not moving to a house near her. You know, all that lady got to do is walk down to my house or walk across the main street and come. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Oh, oh, no. Because they would say, oh, it's a house across the street that's available. Oh, it's a house that's down the street. My mom's like, no, nah, that's too close for comfort. No, besides these homes are older. I'm a teacher and I can't be seen living in this. The ball was already starting. So she, well, I tell you what, let's go stay. In, and I don't know if we can afford a house. Let's go stay in an apartment and save up until we, you know, because we only got one vehicle. So let's save up our money and, and, and do that until we talk. And then we'll come back to this house thing. So they move it to the apartment, okay? And then on the third floor with a little teeny girl, right? And, and I mentioned that third floor for a reason. Because once I became a parent, I was a lot of stuff I valued, surveyed over for my life. And it was like, okay, if you can't help it, you take the apartment, whichever one is available. I get it. You need to move desperately. You got approved. You happy. You pump. They're like, oh, you're going to be in this corner. Okay, fine. You ain't trying to shake the boat like that because you don't want people to, to turn you away. You, you just trying to get a place to stay. I get it. But when you have a child and a small child, you don't need to be on the third floor. Uh-uh. You need to be on the first floor. But hey, we'll, we'll get into that. So, you know, she, my mother's like, we get apartment. And plus, it's going to be a little further away. It's still the same city. It's just a little further away. So this is where the neglect really starts to, like, take in. Like I said, we're in the apartment. And um, now, when people talk about neglect, it doesn't always have to come from the parents, Okay. The, their parents always aren't the ones giving the abuse or neglect or being neglectful. It'll also be at the hands of someone else. Like, you know, uh, a child may be experiencing it from strangers. Because I would abuse, experience abuse and neglect from strangers as well. My mother was responsible for that as well. Okay. Um, and that was because of my little stint with uh, when I was in foster care. Um, uh, but wait, wait a minute. Let me, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. I apologize. Like I told you guys, bear with me. 
That's what I do. I love to talk. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Now we move into the apartment, right? And I have my own room. And I'm thinking, this is great because I no longer have to be in this same bedroom as my parents. You know, I got my own room. I'm thinking this as when we moved, I was one. So I'm a one-year-old thinking like, yes, I got my own room. I knew that was my room at one. So my parents purchased this crib and changing table for my room. And they get a bed and a dresser for their room. And, you know, they start getting little pieces. Now, during this time, in my, uh, up to from this point, from the beginning like of their time frame, basically, up to my early teens, my father worked for a well-known furniture company, right, in, in the area. I mean, they were big time. And they had very nice stuff. Still to this day, they're known as a big-name furniture company mm -hmm. and have really nice items. So they have uh, all this really nice, fancy stuff. And they would um, get it. My father would get these items cheaper because he was an employee. Okay. And so thankfully him working there and receiving such an excellent discount, you know, we could get our house would be loaded. And that happened in that apartment. And when they moved it to their home. And so what they would do was get stuff that was like damaged uh, or things that people return for reasons like, you know, for example, um, and when I said this was really nice stuff. So this was stuff that like, uh, excuse me, this was stuff that was like people would get that had money. Okay. When you talking about money, we're talking about money. That's how we used to say it back then. If you hear the noise rattling, it's me getting the wipe out of the pack. Um, I'm sitting here staring at my screen, guys, with my glasses on, and I'm like, I gotta wipe these glasses off. This, I got to. So, I know I probably could have paused it or, or whatever, edit this out. I'm not good with editing, so we're gonna just keep it rolling. You heard the white pack, and uh, now you know what it was, okay? But, yeah, so, you know, my dad is um, getting this furniture. And like I said, returns, because these were people with money, it would be stuff like the wife would go and purchase. And she would say, uh, yes, I would like to get um, a stand for my kitchen. You know, I want it to be, um, you know, a, a a wood, I wanted something from like the something similar to the such and such uh, era, a, a decade of furniture, the 18th century. You know, this is the kind of stuff they would say. And, or they would say, I'm looking for a sleigh bed. Yes. But um, I would like it to be uh, an a, a oak brown, a oak. I wanted an oak, okay? All right, the furniture company's like, oh, well, okay, we can do that. We honor your request. And they purchase it. Now, these are some people who felt like, I'm too good to even go in your store. I'm just going to call you up and tell you what I want. And you're going to get it and deliver it to my house. Or you're going to get it and call me when you have it in the store. Because do you have something like that? And that's when they would say, well, no, man, we don't have any sleigh beds. But I can get you one. <clears throat> Excuse me, because that's what they would do. These people, they was making sure their customers were satisfied. 
So they would be like, well, yeah, ma'am. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get you this sleigh bed. And it would arrive and then they would say, oh, I don't like the way that that in the foot part of that sleigh bed is. That just don't sit right with me. Oh, I don't really like the color. I, I, I didn't say that I wanted light brown wood. I said I wanted dark. Well, ma'am, you told us, oh, no, I did not. I specifically said cherry, and I know I did. Ma'am, <coughs> I had it on the paper. I told you cherry. Honey, and they're looking at the husband, and the husband's like, my, my wife wants cherry. Oh, sir, you know what? I apologize. We we must have misordered the wrong. I will get it in cherry. How about you look at this book of our beds that we can order the slave beds from, and you can pick out your style, and that way we know we've got the right style for you. Uh, yes, because I don't know what. So this is how that store was, you know. So the things that we were getting weren't really like really damaged, like what you would see now. Like it might have the, a thin little scratch. Or maybe something like this drawer, the third. Yeah, so like I was saying, you know, it may be like just a simple scratch. Uh, actually, I've been talking for a while and didn't even realize, y'all. I apologize. I said some stuff too. <laughs> that my recorder, I have to remember after 30 minutes, it cuts off. I keep an eye on my time like that. But so, like I said, this wasn't really damaged stuff like today no it was it was the kind that it was still pretty nice and decent you could barely see uh the problems so like i said my crib uh was square and flat and it was low to the ground like a playpen would be today it was on wheels and in fact i still have it at my parents home to this day and it had wooden bars on all the side of it it was just like crazy pea green color. And I used to would joke with my friend when she would come over as I got a little bit older um, that I was in prison um, clanging my bottle against the bars because I wanted to get out. And so the mattress in it was very thin and low like a playpen mattress. Now once I got of age y'all, I would tell my parents all the time like that is not a crib. That is a play pen you're using. But they insisted it was a crib. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to tell you. And they're like, no, that came from the furniture store. You know, the play pens come from the stores and the, and, and, and they, they just the metal and the, yeah. But this is made just like, well, the play pens don't be animated. They have a cotton folk, that's true. But the play pen, it was a play pen. It just was, because they had upright tall cribs, but this one was a low flat one because it was meant to be like a playpen. It was just that because they were a nice store, it was wooden. It was crafted really nice. And you know it was nice because I used it for my toys. I climbed in and out of this thing when I got big. Uh, I, I pulled all on it, everything. And it's still to this day in my parents' house, I believe I know one time, if, if, I'm, if I'm correct, now you know what, it may not be there because I do remember one time being very upset. Once they put it down in the garage, like that was the storage bed for everything. 
And I never forget they were putting boxes in it. Well, it was really thin with like the plywood board at the bottom was very thin. And it was again, like I said, this very thin mattress, rubber light mattresses was on top. And I remember they would put boxes in it. At first it was fine because it was like, you know, you're only putting a couple of things in there. But as time goes on, you know, anybody who has a garage, you know, you start filling that stuff up with more and more, right? So it gives way. And it like bends and cracks. And it's like, and they're like, oh, we're going to throw this crib out. And I was mad they had to throw my baby crib out. I didn't want that thing to go. And if I can find a picture, I'm going to put it in the blog. Now, look, let me tell you right now, please don't get mad at me. It, hopefully, it won't take me no week to put the blog up. But if it takes me a minute, please don't get mad at me. I know I'm tripping. I know I'm still got all these blogs. Like, I know I'm behind. So don't execute me. Don't put me up on the cross. Don't drag me out in the middle of the courtyard. No. I know, and I'm working on it, okay? That's all I'm going to tell you. And let's get them back to this. So, like I mentioned before, my mom was a school teacher. So, during the school years would be pretty cool as far as we're talking about neglect and stuff, right? And my grandmother, grandparents would watch me, like my both of my biological grandmother, either her mother or my father's mother. Most of the time during this phase, it was her mother that would watch. Because she's, remember guys, she had this little, still kind of had a little bit of attitude when she, because she, you know, she had left my dad's mother's house. You know, that, so she was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm going to send it to my mom's house. That'll get you type thing. Now, if you remember, I already told you in another podcast about that grandmother's house. The house that has my uncle and my grandfather there. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't remember, you need to go around back and listen to, I believe that was episode 18 where I talked about that. Let me see what's my notes say. Uh, I believe it was episode 18 where I um, went into about the uh, being a child bride or, or things like that. Um, it may have been. Yeah, oh, in the beginning, when I talked about, yeah, the first in the beginning series, not the child ride. That was a good one, too. That was 17. But it was. It was actually 18 in the beginning, and this should have never happened. That's the podcast you got to listen to. Um, but that's why I talk about them. So now I also told you that my grandfather wouldn't be there all the time because this was during a phase. He was – he legally supposed to reside there kind of but you know he was doing his own thing and so he would stay gone for a while and and i mean a while like he might stay gone for a month and that's when he had his little girlfriends he would leave my grandma's stuff and go move in with his girlfriends or go live at his sister house because he he wanted to be free and then he'll come back and 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 stay at my grandma's house for like a day or two or and then it got to the point where he really wouldn't spend the night like that, but he would come and over for a couple of days back to back during the days. And so, uh, and boy, can I tell you stories about that one? Woo, I just remember how, um, it's not something I really forgot. It's just, it came to my memory right now, like about, 
how he would come over sometime in such a drunkard stupor. I mean, like extremely drunk. And it would it would scare me as a kid. Because he's coming in, like I say, his voice is very, you know, like growly, barky. And I would be like, oh my goodness, like, what is he going to do? What has he got to do to my grandma? What's he saying? You know, he's fussing. He's he questioning her. He's questioning my aunt. You know, it's just like all of these things will be going on. He's fussing at me. He, he's snatching me up. He's telling me, I take my grandbaby. Well, why not take our grandbaby? You know, oh my gosh, grandma, you're going to let him leave out this house with me. He is drunk. I can smell you smell like bottles of alcohol. And that's me as a one year old, you know, and he's leaving and taking me off in his car. And she bring that baby back in here. That was like, you might as well say, okay, you know, I see y'all. That's just how you said it. It's the same thing. But um, anyway, so my uncle, times my granddad wouldn't be there, my uncle would leave the house when I would come over and go find my grandfather and tell him, oh, you know, I'm here. So my granddad would show up and my grandma would be like, well, what you doing here? And he'd be like, oh, I can't see my grandbaby. That's my grandbaby. i come see him. And this bond that the two of them had, they was a team, I'm telling you. Because my uncle would come back in that house and never once would say, oh, I went looking for my dad or I found him or he on his way over. He didn't mention nothing. Like, he come on back in the house like he chill. And then here come my granddad. Like, this is the game y'all was playing. Like, this is crazy. So during the school year times, I would go there. And it was, like I said, wasn't too much neglect like that. Only except the times like she's home with me on the weekends and my dad's not there. And um, so um, I, like I said, anytime that my father wasn't around and she had to have me for an extended period of time, the same as we was in that house. And I told you, I mentioned I was in that dresser drawer and I was asleep. And I see, I told you my breathing was shallow and stuff, right? So I guess you could say I was suffocating in that drawer. Because my breathing was very shallow when my grandmother came and got me. And so it was the times that she had to deal with me all by herself. Because as I later learned mentally and emotionally, she didn't really want children. But like I said, various reasons. And so you're being forced to watch a child you really don't want all day long. So you're like, oh, forget it, bump it, you know? And those things in those moments became traumatic. These were the stages, these, these simple neglect things were traumatic because when you're one and even before one years old, but definitely like I want, you know, you're, you want to feel a hug from your parent, okay? You want to feel, oh, my mom's hugging me, you know, blase, blase, blase. You, you want to feel that. So to go from not getting that, not getting that tension and bond only makes a child really what? Want it more. And so 
speaking of traumatic, it's like really, now I think about that breathing, like that drawer, my grandma was telling me, like, I was like, she said, I was like, and she like, what's wrong with this baby? And so now that I could think about it, even my birth was traumatic because I was born with my umbilical cord wrapped around my neck and I was, it was choking me. And every time my mom would push that they would tell her to push, this cord is getting tighter and tighter and tighter to finally they realize, oh no, the biblical cord is wrapped around the baby's neck. We're going to have to do an emergency C-section. You're going to have to stop pushing. A C cut me. Y'all better just cut that thing. And they're like, we can't just cut it while it's in. It's wrapped around the baby's neck. We're going to have to be very gentle. Oh, you know. So that went into that. But um, so as you can see, I came into the world introduced to trauma. And it followed me for quite some time. It hitched a ride while I was in that womb and decided that it was going to have its way with me. And I just want to pause and say right there that I am so grateful for that energy of trauma leaving me, okay? It took me a while to break free from its grasp, but I did. And we're going to talk about that in, in, in episodes to come. I'm going to come back and talk about that, how to break free from that hole, that grasp, of, of certain energies that will, and in this case, we're talking about trauma. Okay. So during the summer, like I said, um, was anytime school was closed, spring break, Christmas break, I got hit harder. Yes, I actually would get hit. Okay. I could remember my mom coming in my room and I'm crying and I'm crying because I'm hungry. I'm crying because I'm wet and my diaper need to be changed. I'm crying because, hello, it's a package waiting for you. But you're like, oh, oh no, uh-uh, I ain't dealing with this. Shut up, lay down. And I get popped like in the back of my head and I'm crying and I lay back down. Hush up all that noise. I can even recall my mother now this is something I'm going to tell you this is why I say people pay attention to signs of stuff and your emotions behind things I'm not saying that I want you to emotionally analyze every single thing that happens in your life my goodness lady get a grip no what I'm talking about is just simply because I can seriously recall how, excuse me for pausing, it's just breathing through it. <laughs> I can recall how she would be in my room ironing clothes and I'm sitting up in my playpen crib with my little stuffed animal or something. And she's ironing clothes because the ironing board was in my room, which is a tradition that never left, okay? 
Like we move, I get older and later, she still sets up the ironing board and the iron in my room. And okay. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, I can remember being older and watching a television show. I don't know if many of you've ever heard of it or seen it, but there was a good TV show out called Good Times. And it starred the famous for us, especially anybody black that's listening to this, they grew up back in the days or no, you, everybody loved Janet Jackson. Well, she was the star girl in this little young girl in this particular episode I'm talking about. She was on the show, but this particular episode. And her name was Penny in the show. Anyway, her mother in the show was very abusive to her. And I remember watching the episode and thinking to myself, oh, it was such the big talk that we went to school and everybody was like, oh my gosh, did y'all see Good Time with Penny Mom? You see what she did there? Oh my goodness. Her mom burnt her with the iron. And it was that when I watched that episode, I cried as a kid, a little older, but I was thinking to myself, why am I so emotional behind this iron type thing? Why does that, why is that really getting me? Like, okay, I know it's messed up, but like, why am I really, because she, I can recall being little and she's ironing clothes and I'm like fussing or whatever. I may not even been fussing. I might've just been sitting there in a daze. So, like, when are you gonna take me out of this crib? And knowing me, I probably was still running my mouth fussing like, because I'm ready for you to pick me up and take this diaper off and give me a bottle for peak sakes. And she would pull that iron cord out the wall and wrap that, when I started seeing her wrap that cord a certain way she started wrapping it, I knew then it was on. If she wrapped it one way, it would be okay, she could put it up. But she wrapped it a certain way and walk over there and knock me down and put that iron on my back. Ooh. Mm. And I scream and cry. She goes on and leave out the room. Hmm. The iron and the iron board. Mm, mm, mm. And it continued for a while with that iron. That iron is Oh, oh! I got the iron plenty of times. Mm, mm, plenty. But um, so like I said, I'm I'm fussing because of this diaper in the bottle, right? And I could recall my dad would fix me a bottle before he would leave for work and bring it in my room. And then during that time when he was first doing that, it was golden good. At least I knew I got a good bottle in the morning, nice and fresh. I'm just drinking it, and mm, 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 it's good. Those back to sleep. Thanks, love you, dad. All right, now like I said, I love the bottle. 
Loved it. Took me a while to break free from that bottle, too. <laughs> like I thought about breaking free from the grass of trauma. Well, it took me a while to break free from the grass of a bottle. And I think that that may even be why I love Y'all know those thermos bottles? <laughs> Y'all seen them? Where they like shaped like a bottle. Or the sports type drinks is like a bottle. I was buying them like crazy. You know, every time I went out, Oh, that's a nice little bottle. Let me get that. Oh, that's a bottle. I like that. Oh, that's a bottle. Oh, that's a bottle. Oh, that's this sports bottle. Got well, I like this kind of. I would even because there was one time I used to order my water for delivery, and I would order the sports ones because I could pull that little nozzle up and sit like in my mouth and push the piece down. I loved it. And then it dawned on me one time. Wait a minute. You're doing too much, girl. You ain't letting go of the bottle. Here you are, grown, grown ass woman. Let it go. Stop ordering. Yeah, you can get it, but you uh-uh. You getting stuff like too much. You're doing it a little too much. Let it go. And once I realized that connection as a dog, I did. So during this time, my mom tells my dad, you know, oh, you don't have to fix her a bottle. I can do that. You trying to get to work, you know. Go ahead, baby. I got it. That type attitude. Okay. So he goes to work and I'm thinking, like, dang, dad, do you know this old boy is going down here from here? And that did. So my dad wouldn't give me the ball anymore because he's leaving out and going to work, giving my kids goodbye. And my mama would get up. Oh, but she played it to the hilt. Like, she's all in my room picking me up. You know, he's like, oh, and she's like, Oh, yeah. Oh, her bottle. Oh, her bottle this. And, oh, yeah. Say bye to daddy. He get ready to go to work. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get her a bottle, get her a bath, and get her settled. And I'm going to do this. And he's like, you know, asking typically what you plan on doing for the day. Oh, yeah. I'm going to feed him. Do. And he leaves. She laid me right back in that crib. Do I get a fresh bottle? No. And so I'm laying there with this bottle with milk from the night before. Now, after a while, I'm hungry. I cry out, mom, like, eh, eh, I'm hungry. Like, chick, get up, fix this bottle. What's going on? Nothing. And like I said, she would come in there and tell me to keep the noise down, you know, and she may come in there and do that iron crap, or she may come in there and say, hush up and close the door all the way to, you disturbing me, I'm trying to watch television. Or you disturbing me, I'm in my room doing schoolwork. And um, so depending on the time, like I said, when it was, she might have been grading papers or she might have been writing plans out. She's always talking about lesson plans. So she was always writing out plans. And she was the type that liked to do hers well in advance. And so she would have them done. And all she had to do was copy them into the teacher's their assignment thing that they had to show. But she would come and write hers in a notebook and, and pick out her lesson plan. All she had to do was copy. And she'd already did it, you know. So I laid it hungry and I started sipping on this old milk. I mean, because I'm hungry. Okay, guys, I'm painting a picture for you. I haven't had anything to, to drink. And I'm only getting a bottle, you know. At this time, you're not giving me real food. Every now and then, my dad on a Saturday morning would like 
give me some eggs mashed up with a little bit of the baby milk or formula, whatever it was. But I wasn't getting food, food, not at first. And I remember my dad was saying after a while, like, oh, she needs to start getting the baby food in the jars. But at first, mm -mm, I was getting this milk. So I'm hungry. And I would drink it. And yes, I know you're like, that is gross. That is real gross. But hey, I was hungry. And I would turn around, of course, and get sick. Because it was milk that set out all that time I'm sleeping overnight. And here it is, maybe 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock noon. Okay, so then I vomit because it won't no good. I'm laying there still hungry. What do I do? Uh-huh. I turn around and I eat the vomit because I'm hungry again. I didn't know no better. I'm a kid. I mean, yeah, I probably did, but I would be so hungry. I would tell myself, what else am I, what is else is there to eat? I can even remember, I'm going to tell you guys how many times I would be in that crib and I would be looking. I used to be eating the little bugs, like the little house bugs and stuff that would be crawling on the floor. I catch one of them. I would be that hungry. I'm telling you the straight up truth. And it's gross. It is, don't seem like, do you think that's something I want to share? Really? No. It's like embarrassing. But it is what it is. And what right before my dad would come home, or he even would come home. But my mom, like I said, she was very smooth and good with playing it all off. So he comes home, right? And he's like, oh, long day at work, blah, 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 blah. You know? And, oh, where's the baby? And, oh, she's in the room. Oh, she was, I, let me check. She was asleep. Let me go check on this girl. Oh, yeah, daddy home. I'll bring her in there. And when he started coming to get me and be like, oh, she's soaking wet. Because see, what she would do is call herself like, okay, you know what? Because he would do stuff like it was getting too close to him being like, well, I can go get her. Well, no, I'll bring it to you. So, you know, he's thinking like, well, why can't go get her? So that's what she's trying to cover her tracks. You know, she's doing stuff like, okay, well, let me, it's close to the time for him to come home. Let me change her diaper. Let me give her a fresh bottle finally. Let me clean her up and put her clothes on. And I would put on my little t-shirts and stuff, you know, so my back. It ain't really that noticeable, you know, like that, you know, and he hold me for a while and I loved it because he would give me the baby food. And once I started getting a little bit older, like he's actually giving me some of his food, which is like great because dad, I'm hungry. Keep this food coming. And um, So for a while with her playing these games and being smooth operator like that, he really didn't have a clue actually what was going on. Not like that. Um, and so eventually I get older and I'm climbing out the crib. And as I mentioned before on one of my Facebook posts, I did this talk where I was going through memories and I was saying different things. And I posted how 
as a child, I, I had very weak legs. So, that, so at this point, I really couldn't. When I was young, at first, before, I couldn't really pull myself out of the crib um, because I didn't have the leg muscle strength. Um, and that was due to medical issues. So, um, and I couldn't really crawl like that either. And I think too, because I wasn't being stimulated. I wasn't being held like that really, except for a little bit, my dad would come home. So, you know, this is where the habits really start to form because once I'm out able to get out of this crib, you know, now I can walk around. So my mom would actually give me food and she would put food on the coffee table, like cut up, she would boil a hot dog for me. One hot dog, cut it up into little pieces and put it like on a salsa and let me eat. And I would eat one or two, crawl around the house and come back and get one or two more pieces and crawl around. And I just eat on them cold hot dogs and it was the best thing coming because I was finally getting some food, right? So that was good. But at the same time, she's eating like food and she's eating good, like whatever. Like she got her chicken snack box or whatever you call it. She got a fish she done fried or she got chips and she's eating hot dog too, but she done had chips with her, right? And any kid gonna want to pick up these habits and beg for stuff, okay? And, um, so she's got stuff, and like I said, it could, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was fried chicken, bacon, fries, pizza, tacos, fried shrimp, fortune cookies. I mean, it didn't matter. If it made crumbs, I got hooked on it. And I'm going to tell you how I got hooked. Because what my mom would do is she would eat the chips or her chicken or something. And I'm asking as a kid, like, mm you know, hand out, begging. You ain't getting none of this. Go ahead. Move it. Move it. Then what she would do as she would finish eating her food. Now, this time I'm like two years old. So she's finished eating the food and she's like, well, I tell you what, you can have, a, you can have my crumbs. So everything was, you can have my crumbs from her food. And so I didn't think anything of it. I'm a kid. You know, she turns her container, food container around, and I'm like, ooh. And she's like, you can have this, you can have my scraps. And I'm telling you, I saw her with the chicken bone. So I'm holding the chicken bone that ain't got nothing on it. Going and gone. And she just, it's basically her trash from what she ate and whatever crumbs that fell through. And I pick up the little crumbs because it's like, oh, I can eat this. Or a piece of skin she might have pulled off or something. Or a piece of the fish that she didn't really eat. All the crust, the crunch. I'm thinking, ooh, I'm getting something. My mama's sharing her food with me finally. Or she passed me a bag of chips she had and the little crumbs at the bottom. She would give me that. And I walk around with that chip bag thinking I had something. You could tell me I didn't have a bag of chips finally. I was I was doing it. I was happy. That was satisfying to me. Like I said, she eating a pie or a cake, piece of cake. The crumbs left on the plate. Here. Eat that. Eat them crumbs. 
So over time, me doing that so much, I thought that was normal life. I didn't think it was anything wrong with it, okay? So we fast forward to, because of my neglect and stuff that went on, and once my dad kind of found out, this, my best friend, her grandmother was keeping me, right? I know this sounds all over the place, but that's how it is. When you, it's like, this is happening, but this will happen also in the middle of it. And I got to tell you this part, because it's going to help you to understand why I did this. So anyway, I'm staying with her grandmother and she was had been keeping me off and on. And that's a whole nother thing. I, I talk about that one day. But during this particular time, I had a session still with crumbs. And I can remember <clears throat> um, the brief spell before, actually, before she was granted the temporary custody of me and guardianship like that. I was actually in the foster care system. And the house that I was living in at the time with these abusers and I'll talk about all of that another podcast because that's but they would reward me with chips and snacks okay so that in a combination with being introduced with the crumbs okay and I'm still being abused I'm still being neglected and the abuse is graduating at this phase with my mom. Like I said, it got to the point in an apartment where the iron was more. The hitting me was more. I was always getting bruises going to this lady's house watching me, my friend's grandmother. And she's like, what's going on? Why you got all these bruises? And then it would lead to me, like I said, with these burn marks. Like, you can get these burn marks. Where's these burns coming from? How come every time you go home, you can stay here for me for a while, your allergies clear up, your sinuses and stuff, and then you get sick again. You're always sick, your stomach problem, this and that. But with the crumbs and then with the foster care abuse on top of that and getting chips and snacks as a reward, for allowing the abusers to do what they wanted to do, okay? Um, it formed habits. And that's where I want to really get into a little bit more with you talking because these habits were serious, guys. These habits that form, I still have them today. And it's way later in my life. And I still have them. I'm not as bad with the crumbs, guys. And I'm being honest and serious with you. I'm sharing right now. And I'm pouring my emotions into it because I people just don't. I really want people to know. I really do. When you abuse a child, it's lasting. Okay? 
It is lasting. Yes, I talked about how abuse on any level for any age is wrong and it's just as effective. It can be harmful and lead damage. But we're talking about children. You're able to cope with it a little bit more if you're an adult. I mean, if you're an adult and you feel like, dang, I went through it when I got married at 25 and my husband was a sicko and put me through. Yeah, you went through. And I ain't arguing with you. But imagine a child going through. You was 25. You was 30. Yes, it was traumatic. It was new. It was shocking. Yes, it was terrible. But you were an adult. Imagine a child going through the same damn thing. Imagine that child going through the same abuse because these sick people, individuals who do this stuff against children, and I say sick because you were sick. I don't care what nobody say about it. it. It for you to do it to a child, I don't care what your reasoning is. I don't care if you feel like they already been damaged, they this and that. I don't care if you felt like, oh, that little girl wanted it. No, she didn't. She's a little girl. I'm telling you, I know. It was me that experienced that. And every time I think about it, especially because there are children who are currently still going through it, people. This shit don't stop. And that's the part that gets me still seriously emotional. I'm pretty much fine with what happened to me, but when I think about it and how their children going through the same thing, it really gets me. And it gets me because these abusers and a society of people don't really get it. They don't get it. And you're not going to get it if you ain't been through it. You might can empathize. You might can understand. Look, you might can be like, I get it. I don't talk to some people before myself. I'm a psychiatrist. I'm a therapist. So I, I get what you're saying. I just completely understand. But if you were a child who was abused, and like I said, I was abused by my mother, my grandfather, my uncle, foster care adults. This house where all us kids, different nationalities in this house. And these people calling over their buddies to come have their way with these kids. This was and see I all with the food 
not only did I look at it as a reward type thing for what I've been through, because my husband did the same thing. I was on the team, right? My husband did the same thing. You know, like he just finished slinging me around the apartment, beating the crap out of me, violating me sexually. Now you calm down and you the beast, you calm down from the beast and you leave the house and you come back and you want to reward me with some chips. <laughs> you want to, you done stopped and got me my favorite chips. My favorite drink. Because it's always been comforted to me. It continues to be a comfort. And it continues to be a comfort now, even if I'm not physically getting abuse, because I'm not physically experiencing abuse now in my life. But anytime I'm stressed, anytime I'm emotional, and because I have such a strong addiction to it, it's hard. It's hard. And I know, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm like, when I say I got addiction to chips and stuff, like, that's a struggle, man. I'm telling you, it's a straight up serious struggle. It really is. Because it's not, it ain't just like, oh yeah, I, I, I crave them. I crave chips. See, the problem I have with it is most people will have a little chip salty type deal. You know what I'm saying? Where they, they're like, oh, yeah, I get it. I like chips too. Okay, yeah, but it's one thing to have a natural craving in one minute. Like, it's that time of the month. You want a little snacky snack. Or it's fine that you crave chips because whenever you eat a good Reuben, you just gotta have your favorite bag of chips. Or whenever you eat a good chili hot dog or a hot dog, period, you just gotta have your favorite bag of chips to go with. Or a chips, period. So it's it's one thing to have those kind of connections to chips. You know what I'm saying? But it's another when it's a serious addiction and you have the natural craving of chips that everybody gets like oh i want chips with a sandwich and a hot dog and this and that too because i have that because i was raised once i got with the grandmother that's how they ate their chips like they ate their chips with sandwiches they ate their chips as a snack in the evening or lunchtime when we would get a sandwich and chips as kids. So I got used to eating it that way. So I had that naturally, and that really wasn't the abuse form or stress. But because I'm also triggered to eat it when I'm stressed or really been through, it increases the addiction. So now I'm really, I'm, I'm overboard with chips. Like I'm the type that's get the bag of Doritos. I've gotten a little better, 
But man, I used to get the big, I'm talking a big bag of Doritos. Not the party ones that got the real big, but the regular, really size, like bag of Doritos in the store. Not the snack size, not the 99 cent grabs, not those. The regular size, I would get a bag of chips of Doritos like that and open it up and sit there and eat them to this crumbs. So I'm picking the crumbs in one sitting. Well, most people get that bag and they put a little bit on a napkin on a bowl and eat them and they good. And they may not touch them for a couple of days. Or if they do eat them, they eat a little bit every day. Not me. I had to go hard. And then I even got to a place I was really overdoing it because I was eating chips at home. I would buy them at the store. And then when I started working, then the machines. Then I had this job, one job, my last job that I worked. We had an actual little store in the job at the job where you could purchase stuff. Please. And I'm going in there like an attic. And it would get so bad that I would have to tell myself, don't even go that way. Bring your lunch from home. Don't even go past the cafeteria or the little store or anything like that. Because if you do, you know you're gonna, you know what you, you know what's gonna happen. So I purposely would make it so I wouldn't go that way. But sometimes, because people knew what I like, people getting on the good side. I just came back from. I got you some chips. Did you say you like these? Oh my goodness, thank you. I love you so much. I'm just going to eat a few of them. I'm not going to eat the whole bag. You and I both know that was a lie. That bag was good and gone. And these, like I said, are habits though. <laughs> I am way older. And we're talking about stuff from when I was a kid. Because that's how I ate the chips till they was gone. They gave me them little other kids. We get their little bag of chips. They eat one or two chips and I would kill my chips. And for one, because it went from bad, I could barely get chips. I'm getting crumbs from this lady to now I'm being given my own little personal bag of chips. I mean, yeah, I got to go through a little something. I got to do a little something, but hey, I getting these chips. And it's all mine's in the bag. And I get to go a little crazy. I get to tear them up. So this is how it was. And like I said, the habits are not just for food. Like, but it's basically a lot of it that I am talking about is for my food. I've realized it. Like, it led to lifelong habits, lifelong habits, to the point today where I really, and I thank God in a way because my body, the way it's set up with me being sick now, because I done ate too much crap, and amongst other things, I believe a lot of it too is stuff I just been through. But 
and, and some could be genetics. Okay, I believe some is genetics too because it does run in the family. But with all that said, with my health conditions, I can't eat that stuff like I used to. Not the same rate that I used to. Oh, oh no. I'd be in a hospital. I would be in a hospital if I was to eat chips like I used to. But I still get my urges every now and then and go hard for it. And then I pay for it. So I really try to put a break. And I'll fix popcorn instead. Because it doesn't swell me and it doesn't affect me the same as eating chips does. But the addiction and the and the habit was formed. And you're talking about when you're talking about over 40 years of having a habit doing something, come on, man. Come on. Yeah, it's about mindset, but come on. You know, I'm gonna talk a little bit later on another podcast too, but with all that I went through, it was setting, I could see how it set the stage for what I experience now and how my habits, because like I said, it's not just the food. And see, then you have to realize because later on in my teen years became other habits, other addictions. And anybody that's had addictions, regardless of what the addiction is, if you have ever been addicted to something, then you know what I say this, I'm telling the truth. When you're addicted and you get over, now if you got multiple addictions, okay, and you put one or two aside, you're like, well, I can stop smoking. Okay, now I'm going to be eating and snacking more. Because you put one or two aside, the other ones that you're left with increase. And when you find yourself that you've gotten rid of all other addictions, and the only, like, I can have a drink, but I'm not the same with drinking that I used to be. It don't do me the same way. I don't even drink it the same way. Like, I literally can have a bottle of wine like I do now in my fridge, unopened, and it's been in there for quite a while. I can have a bottle of liquor in my house and it's not open or open and can be there a whole year. Come back two years later and be like, darn, that bottle ain't been cracked yet. Or you just opening that bottle? It's not the same. Back then when I was younger, wine bottle ain't stand a chance. Susie took got a little cold. Susie got a little cool to touch. Oh, it's good. Might as well be like, it only been in the refrigerator for a little bit. It's good. Would just drop a couple pieces of ices in my glass. Maybe like <laughs> like that. Alright. And bring it to me. I'd allow you to leave the bottle, boo. I'm good. So it went from that. When you have those and you I'm not the same with them, but the one that's hard for me is that eating. And another thing that's hard is because a lot of times I didn't eat food. I would just snack on it. That's probably what I really want to do because that's what I had gotten so used to. 
Yes, I'm not saying I never ate food. Yes, I would. But it would always be the bad foods. Like I said, I was always eating pizza. That's what I would feed my son, right? So I ate the bad things. But throughout the day, mostly, I was snacking. And I was snacking because I was under a lot of stress and pressure. And it wasn't because of my son. It was one person, my husband. Another one more person, my mother. So these two people in my life were stressing me ridiculously. And my answer and, and relief for myself was, get a drink, get a smoke, eat some chips first, eat you some chips. Smoke a cigarette and sip on some wine, girl, and you'd be good. I was numbing the emotions, numbing the pain. Why? Just so I wouldn't have to continue to, to feel it. And it's still the case now. If I get emotional about something, if I... If something bothers me or if I'm triggered by memory and I think about how terrible it was, uh, I read an article and I'm touched and it's really terrible and it triggers a memory for me. And then it's like, dang, oh. And if I'm a little stressed, oh my gosh, I want some chips. It's the time of the month too. I really want some chips. And so, Anyway, I'm going to close out on this because I'm really rambling. But I think you get the gist of what I was saying, how you've got to be careful when you are abusing these children and when you're doing things. And like I said, I'm going to talk about more in October, but about children, because people really need to know. These things are lifelong habits. You are creating lifelong habits residual things they got to deal with you the trump you the, the person that traumatized them you might be going out of their life and not doing it anymore but guess what they still dealing with that and they're 30 they're 40 they're 50 they're 60 they're 80 this is how you can have people that's in their 60s on drugs this is how you can have people that is 75 and they're on the corner with a bottle because they've been doing it for so long, trying to mask the pains and the hurts. And if you was to ask them, for many of these people, it started as a child. Yes, they experienced some stuff when they was an adult, but the gist of it, the bulk of it, it started when they were a child. It was someone trusting. Now you're messing with my trust issues. Like you're fucking me up in all kinds of ways. And I just wanted to talk about that because that's what happens. You wind up feeling fucked up and messed up in so many different ways. And now you form these other habits to help close the gap and help you not feel like this and feel that pain. And guess what? These habits now become a part of your life because you didn't deal with it then you didn't get therapy and help and so the whole time in your 20s you just buried it your 30s you buried it your 40s you buried it and now you're just 50 something years old or 60 something and you're just coming to grips with it and you 
that's 30 years, that's 35 years, that's 40 years of you living this habit for something to happen to you when you were three, five, seven, nine, 13. It's just something I want to leave you with to think about it. Okay? And as always, remember to please take care of yourself. I'm going to close this out. I appreciate you listening to this long podcast. It went a little bit longer than I had planned, but I appreciate you staying there to the end. I also want to tell you, it's true, people. You can come, even you can come out of the shadows, okay? Until next time, as I said, take care of each other, okay? All right.